Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, Budgeteers. Coach Nino Villa here, and alongside me, as always, my partner on the airways, it's Sarah Jones. Hi, Sarah. Hey, good morning. It's morning where we both are this time. Yes, yes it is. (laughs) And it's a brisk morning. I don't know how early you were out, but uh, I was out pretty early and it was in the high 30s. Nino, when I came to Arizona, that's not what I was looking for. I'm feeling a little bit deceived. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think you... So I don't think a lot of people really understand that it's the desert and, and really the desert can get that cold. Well, when there's absolutely no cloud cover to keep any of the warmth in, it all just escapes into the atmosphere. And uh, yeah, we're, we're left pretty chilly. But if if the mid to high 30s is the lowest it ever gets, and that's the overnight low, then you know the daytime highs are, are just fine. Yeah, I'm, uh, well, I'm, I'm still wearing my uh, cardigan, my sweater, because even inside, um, because I'm very frugal and even living in a fifth wheel, you know, that we still have where we're at, we have electric that we pay for. And so, um, in our fifth wheel, we have both electric heat and propane heat, both Mm -hmm. of which we need to pay for. And because I am frugal, um, I keep the heat turned down pretty low, um, and it's still a little chilly in here, so got my sweater on this morning, and I have yet to go outside because I know it's chilly, <laughs> so you know, um, I will go outside this afternoon when it warms up. There's uh, there's kind of a joke. It, it, there's a running joke in the house, but of course, we borrowed this from kind of the, the greater Arizona culture or the greater Phoenix area culture of, um, you know, the day starts off and it's winter, and then it becomes <laughs> spring. Then we get to summer, and then it, it starts to become autumn, and then at night it's winter again, right? And so part of that is, you know, so my wife is like, can we turn on the heat yet? And I'm like, please no, let's put on some layers, right? Let's, like you, I'm frugal, let's let's not do that. And she's like, remind me, when can we? And I was like, February. She's like, I have to wait until February? And I'm like, well, February is the only time that, like, even the daytime highs are not as high So we really want to make sure the heat's on overnight so that we're not like freezing pipes or other things that are important. So other than that, can we, can we not? So right there with you. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, it's this fine line living in fifth wheels are not insulated like homes are. Um, and we have air going all the way around, right? Because there's no foundation or anything to protect. So it does get a little bit chillier in here. Um, but trying to keep that heat down and uh, yeah, wear a long sleeve and a jacket, please. And we've got blankets. So throw an extra one on. (laughs) Yep. Got to have the Sherpa blankets around. Like they got to be Sherpa because they're just so (laughs) soft and warm. Anyway. Right. Right. Sarah, I know today we wanted to talk about a topic that's uh, that you are intimately familiar with. and, and, Mm. And I know you have a lot of stories um, and, and a lot of perspective that you can help with our listeners. But I kind of want to tee this up by letting anybody know, like, if you're somebody who um, has kind of come across a big medical need in your life, and I've had clients like this where we've had to, like, cash flow either major surgeries 
or we, mm-hmm. one of my clients, uh, their, their child needed some time at, um, an inpatient facility for, for a while. And so, um, today we're going to talk about medical bills, medical mm-hmm. debt, the, the burden that they can, um, kind of dump onto, uh, an individual or a family and seemingly in an instant. I have another friend of mine who's, um, who racked up a lot of medical, uh, bills and debt early in his second child's life because they needed Mm -hmm. life-saving surgeries and whatnot. And so it's not as if medical bills and debt is like consumer debt, because a lot Mm -hmm. of times we didn't, like we didn't sign up for this. It, it wasn't like, mm-hmm. yes, I want to get this really expensive surgery. It wasn't elective, right? It was right. kind of just brought up on, on us. And so, um, yeah, we well, just kind of wanted to talk about what do you do with it? How do you manage it? You know, what are some ways out of it? That sort of thing. But uh, mm-hmm. kind of just wanted to give you the floor to, to start us off on this one. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, Nino. Um, you are correct. This is... Um, a subject that is very close to my heart um, in a lot of different ways. It fires me up. I get so annoyed um, when talking about this and also very emotional because I have been affected by um, just the effects of medical bills, medical debt in probably every area. Um, And I say that in, in, in talking about bills that keep racking up, um, ongoing um, medical expenses that happen every month, and then also paying off the large bills, right, that come in, um, and so how quickly they can compound. And so um, if there are tears during this session, I'm just going to warn you now, um, there might very well be. And so, um, and I'll start off by saying that... um, this is this is a really hard thing for me to talk about as well because I know that it's it um I want to be mindful of what I say because I realize that that everybody has kind of a different perspective and so there might very well be some of my own personal views that come out in this conversation when we talk about medical billing and costs and how it affects people. Um and so I just want to say that these are my own personal um, perspectives, my own experience, and they may not be everybody's. But um, one thing that I will say for sure is that not a single one of us, I don't know a single person that likes to have medical bills and medical debt, and it stresses us all out. Um, because we know, as you said, you mentioned earlier, that we didn't sign up for this. And oftentimes, Um, It puts us in such a difficult financial position, even when you're doing, and I'm going to use air quotes, really well financially. I have seen medical expenses um, tear families apart. I have seen medical expenses um, just devastate people financially, right? And so this is not an area that affects only, air quote again, rich people or only, air quote again, you know, poor people. This affects every one of us at some point in our lives and some of us a lot more than others. Um, So a little bit of a backstory and why this is so important to me. Um, I have had, 
um, let's see, 17 surgeries. 17, maybe even a little bit more than that. I have lost count. Um, I have chronic kidney stone issues. And so um, these surgeries are definitely not elective. Um, they happen, can happen in a blink of an eye. And I'm going to knock on wood because after 17 surgeries, I don't want any more. It's very hard on my body. But these surgeries are very costly. And even when we had good insurance, our deductible um, on top of our out-of-pocket, you know, for the year, out-of-pocket fees, oftentimes were thousands and thousands of dollars. And there was a period of time in my life where I would have like a surgery towards the end of the year, October, November, and then turn around January, February, have another one. So I've got one year's, right? So for example, I'll just use 2021 and 2022. So say I had a surgery in November, right, of 2021. So that was $5,000. And then again, in February of 2022, that's another 5000 In four months, that's $10,000 worth of expenses right? That's hard. That is, that was, that's always been difficult for my family to pay those bills. So lots of surgeries and lots of experience with that. But my son, um, in a matter of fact, St. Patrick's Day, March 27th of 2010, my son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is a chronic condition. There is no cure for it. He requires um, insulin um, and the use of medical equipment every single day and will require that every single day for the rest of his life. Nino, these expenses are outrageous. They are outrageous. And for somebody who requires these things to stay alive. These are not elective. Type 1 diabetes means his pancreas doesn't work. It's an autoimmune disease. His pancreas basically, in, in really simple terms, his pancreas fights itself, his body fights itself. He is not able to produce insulin on his own. So it's not like he's insulin resistant. He cannot produce it on his own. So he has to get it from an outside source. Too much of it, too little of it, he dies but he has to have insulin. Without insurance, we're looking at about $1,200 a month for insulin. Without insurance. With insurance, upwards of $100, sometimes more depending on insurance plan. That's a lot of money. $100 a month is a lot of money for somebody. And I'll use his, his real life. You know, He's making about $20 an hour. Well, at $20 an hour, 40 hours a week, and you put on $1,300, $1,400 a month rent payment, right, and bills to add on another $100 a month for insulin to keep him alive, that's a lot of money. And then you tack on the equipment that he needs, upwards of another $100, even with insurance. We're talking several hundred dollars, upwards of thousands of dollars, depending on medical equipment that he has to have to live. And it puts people in a really tough position, and I have been there too, where we are really looking at how are we feeding our families and how are we making sure that our our, our, fam our kids live and ourselves live, right, because we've got these medical bills and medical debt 
And this is kind of a, a hard subject that, that I've had conversations with a lot of clients too and, and wondering, okay, how do we get through this, right? Because so many of us have medical debt that we're paying on every single month. So um, I might need to take a, a breath here for a second because I can feel my heart starting to get <laughs> a little worked up because this, again, is such a, a tough area. So um, bear with me while I take a deep breath and um, bring myself back down for a second. Yeah, well, and take that breath because I think I want to open up this space for all of our listeners and even myself to like really hear, you know, what you're talking about. And that is, you know, we're not going to make this um, political or anything like that. It, this is an apolitical conversation, but it, it, at, the, at, at the very same time, it's evident that there is something amiss in the whole medical establishment. And that's not what this particular episode is about. And we're not going to go down that road, but it does highlight like something has to give something it, it, to for something as what I would imagine as common as type one diabetes, hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans have it, maybe even millions for mm -hmm. big pharma and, and these medical equipment establishments to, to kind of know like, Oh yeah, well of course you're going to, pay whatever we charge. It just seems a little, you know, I'm all for capitalism and all that. And like I said, I'm going to try to not make it political, but it, it, there's mm -hmm. something a little off about all that. So I can understand the frustration um, and in, in just the, mm, like it grinds my gears and it's not <laughs> even affecting me directly. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it is. And, and here's where it becomes, you know, I guess challenging because we know, right, that these are necessary. These are non-negotiables. These are essentials within his budget. Um, and so then we look at, okay, now what do we need to do to make sure that these, these essentials are getting covered along with the other essentials, right? Um, and I want to break this down because there are two differences, you know. So if we're looking at known monthly costs like he has, then we work at actually building those into the budget, right? We know that these things are going to happen. So we look at, there are a lot of programs. So for anybody listening, I say contact. Um, and here's some tips, right? I guess I'm just going to share some tips on how to reduce some of your costs. Um, mm -hmm. Contact the... the um, well, number one, talk with your doctor. A lot of times they can get you samples um, to hold you over if you really cannot afford it, if, if it's mm -hmm. really tight within your budget. And I will say this is particularly, I'm sure it's prevalent in a lot of, um, you know, uh, in a lot of areas other than type 1. But, you know, I know a lot of type 1 diabetics that ration their insulin because they can't afford it. People should never have to ration their medication to stay alive. Mm -hmm. So what can we do to help, right? So I want you to contact your doctor. I want you to ask for if they have samples. And I want you to contact the manufacturing companies. There are reps in your area that can help. So I want people to do that because they never want you to have to ration. Um... Ooh. This is tough. 
Yeah, I not obviously not only can I hear the emotion in in your voice, but you know I feel it. Um, you you're absolutely right. Like we're in a we're in a bad way if people have to take half doses, quarter doses of their medication to try to make it last longer in an effort to um, you know, stay alive. That that's just mm-hmm. that's hard to hear. That's hard to hear, but I appreciate too that you know um, you're in a position, you're in a new, unique position to provide tips and tricks to our our listeners as to like, okay, but like how can you move through some of of this? So I do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So um, yes, contact the reps in your area. Contact your doctor. Um, another thing is to talk with a pharmacist. Because a lot of times there are programs available that will help cap the cost. So if you do not have insurance, there are other programs available through the pharmacy that the pharmacists know of that will cap um, some of your costs. Now, there is no, for insulin specifically, there are no generics. That's another thing that's a little bit tough because sometimes um, I have fought with our insurance company to pay for the, the insulin that my son needs and they have refused to pay for it. Um, mm. They want to, they don't understand that there's no generics. So there are programs available out there um, that, that um, are available again, if you do not have insurance, but maybe you don't qualify for other government assistant um you know, other government assistance, because there are people that fall in those cracks, right? That, that you don't qualify for any government assistance. Um, so there are other programs available if you don't have private insurance. Um, so look for those programs. Um, that's, that would, that's what I would say, number one, um, because I don't want you to have to ration. Um, number two, um, there are other opportunities. Sometimes doctors will send a prescription for a month supply. Oftentimes, if you do have insurance, I think sometimes people don't realize that you can get a three-month supply. And generally, um, I have seen with private insurance, if you get a three-month supply, you're you're kind of getting you're getting a break. They they actually reduce the cost for a three-month supply of medication versus getting it every 30 days. So um, ask your, check into your insurance and ask your doctor to set, um, you know, get a prescription for a 90-day supply versus a 30-day supply. Um, Oftentimes that will save you a little bit of money. Now, it's a larger amount up front, right? Because you're paying for, so it is a larger amount up front, um, but you can save money in the long run. It helps with um, reducing costs in the long run for prescriptions themselves. That makes a lot of sense, right? It, almost like car insurance. You can pay for car insurance monthly mm-hmm. or you can pay for it every six months. If you pay for it every six months, you're truly saving yourself money. But of course, you know, mm-hmm. it, it comes with a bigger price tag at that moment. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Um, I always encourage people to look, you know, I, I'm not, depending on when this, uh, episode airs, um, if it's airing during open enrollment, then I want you to be really mindful of looking at if you have insurance through your employer, you know, and it's open enrollment, really looking at the cost of 
the different types of plans available. If you have a flex spending account available or if there's HSA available, really running your numbers because there are some benefits to help you save some money that way as well. Um, so I want people to really run the numbers and, and sit down and talk with somebody um, in depth about the different options during open enrollment. If it's not your open enrollment period, then please put it on your list to really do next year. Because um, I have seen um, a lot of opportunities for people to reduce their health care costs by choosing a different insurance plan. And that's something we kind of, we, we, they're very confusing a lot of times and we don't really understand all the lingo. And that's why I really want you to take some time to go through the different insurance plans to see where you could potentially be saving yourself some money or it could help you on, you know, some of these other areas for ongoing medical costs. Yeah, always a good idea to kind of review. And, and to your point, that you would think someone along the chain would make selecting your health insurance on an annual basis as simple as possible, but it just seems like everybody is dedicated to making it as confusing as possible. <laughs> and so, you know, mm -hmm. you're absolutely right though. Like uh, I've sat down with clients numerous times and we're, we look at a plan and we try to really understand what each one of those options are and what is the best option for their potential medical situations or ongoing medical situations because um, sometimes paying a little bit more in a monthly premium gets you the coverage you need mm -hmm. or whatever, what, what may have you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and, and when we're talking about, um, you know, like not necessarily the ongoing, but say for in my example of, you know, surgery, right, where we've got out-of-pocket costs, you know, I always recommend that people call and negotiate um, when they receive a bill in the mail for anything. Always, always, always call and negotiate those fees. Um, and I know you've got some tips um, with negotiating some of those medical expenses as well. So I'd love for to, to hear your tips um, with that. But I always recommend that people call and negotiate, and I find that a lot of people don't. And so I'd love to spend a few minutes kind of talk about what that might look like and, and how to do it. Yeah, the the biggest tip I have in this particular area, and, and, and I qualify this by saying I'm no expert. I just, I know a couple of things that could possibly be helpful. First and foremost, um, there might be resources on a medical institution's website that kind of let you know uh, how you can reduce costs. They might have internal programs or things that are designed to help people who are in need um, cover costs. They're never going to necessarily tell you that. Um, I had a medical stay, um, this was decades ago, um, but during my medical stay, some advocate came in the room, gave me a bunch of information, a bunch of paperwork, had me sign some things, but it was, I was in the middle of being treated. It, not like 
I wasn't like on the operating table or anything, but you know what I mean? Like I'm in the hospital, I'm in the midst of my treatment and an advocate comes and kind of tells me some things and I didn't retain any of that in the moment or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what it was, was he was there to kind of highlight, like, if you can't afford medical bills, these medical bills that you're racking up, there are programs, internal programs, external programs, but there are programs to help you reduce the burden. And it's like, well, don't tell somebody that when they're in the middle of treatment, because they're kind of like in the middle of treatment. So you have to become your own advocate after the fact to kind Mm -hmm. of re-engage and find what are these internal and external programs that can help me to reduce uh, my my medical uh, costs. And so part of that's just a simple negotiation. Sometimes it's as simple as talking to the billing department and negotiating the price down. But in addition to negotiating the price down, there are usually these programs that either the institution, the county, the city, like whatever it might be, there are usually programs to help with those costs. So it's something that everybody should at least be poking around the website, calling the the, the billing department and, and inquiring about what kind of programs exist for somebody to help reduce. And that somebody doesn't have to just be somebody who doesn't have means. Even if you have means, there's still options for you to reduce the burden. I'm so glad that you said that because those programs exist to help everyone, not just a specific group of people. And I have definitely been in a position where, um, well, and I'll just say, I mentioned in an earlier episode that in 2010 was a particularly rough year. My son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. I had a couple of surgeries. We bought and sold a home. Um, my dad was, I had a surgery in October. So I think my expenses there were about four or $5,000. My dad was killed on his motorcycle the end of October, um, did not have a will or life insurance. And so that threw you know, his final expenses on the shoulders of my husband and myself, right? And then you add in the holidays. And then I spent, um, for various reasons, um, I spent about three weeks in the hospital the end of January um, of the following year of 2011. I had a couple of surgeries then. Lots of stuff going on. And, you know, I went to the hospital. I'll tell you, it, it hit me kind of in the pride, you know? It was like, dang, like, I... And I'll be honest, I told myself, I said, gosh, I, I can come up with the money, right? Like, I don't want to use these. I'm not, and, and it just, it hit me in a way that felt, it, it made me feel like, wow, what have you done, Sarah? And the truth is, is I had to really work through that, that it was nothing that I did, that it was, I didn't do anything wrong. And these programs exist to help people that are ha- going through a, a difficult time, Right. And regardless of how much money you make, regardless of anything else, these programs exist for you to utilize. And I am so thankful that I did because it really took this huge weight off of my shoulders. So thank you for mentioning those programs because um, they're there um, for a reason. So please go out and use them. One thing that I recommend people do as well is get an itemized list, right? An itemized statement when you get a big bill, ask for an itemized statement because there are a lot of things that you can negotiate 
on there. You can look at the price of certain drugs and certain things, and then you gives you the, the power to look and see what they're charging you, and then you have the ability to call and negotiate certain um, um, prices on there. Uh, it does take some time, but I always suggest that people do that. Yeah, um, I just recently had an experience over the summer where um, I needed some emergency care, went to the ER, and when I got the itemized bill, there was this line item that's like, I don't remember exactly what it said, but it, it, it read really strangely. It was, it was something like, symptoms for more than 36 months. That was the line item. Symptoms wow. for more than 36 months. And first of all, like, it wasn't accurate. Like, what I was being treated for, I had not been dealing with for the last three years. So, mm -hmm. um, but I don't even know what that means. So, needless to say, um, and, and that was, I, I haven't had the, the, the luxury of dealing with it yet because, like, that was more from the insurance company that said, like, hey, you should be receiving a bill for this. I've not actually received a bill for it. But if I do, mm -hmm. trust me, I will be calling and inquiring as to what is this line item? Because it was also the most expensive line item on the mm -hmm. bill. And so when, trust me, when I tell you, like, no, like, I will not be paying whatever that is, that will be removed. So having an itemized list of what happened, you get to start to um, inquire because sometimes, oh, Wait, what? Humans make mistakes and they yeah. code thing they code something incorrectly. Well, that's their problem, not yours. So if they meant to code it something else and they didn't and they have no idea what they meant to code it, they're gonna have to take it off the bill and and mm -hmm. that's it. So, you know, definitely a good reason to have an itemized list of what happened because sometimes they code things incorrectly. Right. And again, it's not it's not their fault, right? I mean, things happen, especially in an emergency situation, right? That that um you're they're moving pretty quick, but that's why I like having the itemized statement. So you can actually see everything that's listed on there. You know, another thing that I recommend people do um when they receive bills or or um you know, look at get everything in writing. So I always called and um, when I received a larger bill, um, you know, I would call and make payment arrangements because oftentimes I didn't have those thousands of dollars sitting around, you know, just waiting to go to a medical expense. So I needed to call and make payment arrangements with the institutions. And, um, I was sent out collections two different occasions, even though I was making monthly payments, they accepted the monthly payments on the same day. They applied them to my account. I was still sent to collections because they said that we did not have an agreement in place. So um, <laughs> we did, <laughs> but I did right. not have it in writing. And that's why I was sending the same amount on the same day, you know. So I, lesson learned, get it in writing. Um, and don't make a payment until you receive that in writing. That's what I suggest, right? Um I would agree with that 100%. And that goes beyond just the medical industry. Like anytime mm -hmm. you're dealing with, I, ha I have something going on right now where a, a contractor did some work, but what they sent me was a, um, oh, what is it? A quote, right? They said, here's the quote. 
right? I never signed the quote. I never said, I agree to this price for this work. They ended up doing the work and now, and there was a bunch of mess in between, but now I need to go back to them and say, first of all, all you have is an unsigned quote. I never said like, I agree to those terms. And a bunch of things changed between the time you sent that quote and when the work actually got done that we need to talk about. So before they get a penny out of me, it's going to be whatever we, whatever agreement we come to, it needs to be put in writing. Once it's in writing and sent my way, then I will make payment. And I just did this with a client too, where um, they received a bill there's a negotiation and they're like, oh yeah, just send us whatever. And I'm like, you don't send them a <laughs> thing before mm -hmm. you get it in writing and you have that, you know, for your records. So 100% agree with you. Always get everything in writing, especially like when you do establish some type of payment arrangement for medical mm -hmm. bills, get it in writing so that you don't suffer from what you suffered from, which is, oh, well, we're going to take your money and we're going to send you to collections because were horrible. Right. Right. And you know, and I got the pushback, oh, well, we can't put it in writing. It's in your chart. You know, it's in your account. Well, folks, that account belongs to you. Mm. Right. Those are your medical records. That's your account. Yes. Yes. So while they are part of it and you are in an agreement with that institution, they belong to you. Right. And so you have every right to have the information that is included in there. So do not let them bully you and say, oh, we can't send you anything. Um, they absolutely can. Okay. So don't send a payment until you get it in writing, <laughs> please. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I know there's been some talk, Nino, that they are not allowing medical debt to um, affect your credit score anymore. Um, and, and you know, I think we've talked about that on a previous episode, um, which I'm really happy about. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I haven't brushed up on how it all, you know, the, the final wording and everything with that. Um, but... I just want people to know that it's okay if you need to make a payment on something, that I don't want you to go into debt trying to get something paid off because you think it's going to affect or, you know, um, it's okay to make payment arrangements. It's okay to look at your own budget and say, what can you actually do here, right? What can you actually do within your budget? To, to get this bill paid off. Um, another thing that I really encourage people to do is don't agree to something that doesn't feel right to you. You know, if they're asking you to pay $500 a month and that really isn't something that you, that your budget can handle, then don't, let's not agree to that. Let's work and negotiate some different terms, something that you know that you can, because if you're agreeing to something that you know you can't do, that's going to cause you a lot of stress and a lot of frustration. Um, and, and I, again, I don't want you to put yourself into that kind of situation, right? And so really look at what can your budget handle? What can you really afford to, to send um, and negotiate those payment terms? Yeah. This is where, like, I don't want to go down a huge rabbit hole, but um, mm -hmm. 
like depending on the institution you went to as well, like if it's a like a county hospital, a state hospital, like part of your taxes is already funding a lot of the stuff that goes on there too. So it's like you're doing your part and you didn't elect this surgery or these circumstances. And so I'm not, by no means am I telling somebody to like um, skirt their responsibilities. But at the same time, I want to echo what you said, Sarah, about the the medical institution that's billing you or whatever is not your top priority. It, it, it is a priority, but it's not your top priority. So you send what you can and they just have to kind of deal with it and live with it. Like it is for them what it is. I can't stand that expression, but in this particular instance, it's true for them, for the medical institution, it is what it is. I'm not going to not feed my family or not pay my mortgage because you're trying to collect on some surgery that you've overcharged me for and all that (laughs) jazz. Right. Right. And you know, (laughs) I might catch some flack for saying this, but quite frankly, the collections agencies were a lot easier to work with than the hospital was. And Mm. so I was almost thankful that they sent me because it gave me an opportunity to work with somebody (laughs) That was a lot more flexible. And uh, um, so, as you said, you know, I kind of take it as it is, right? But but mm-hmm. um, sometimes we have to look at what we really are, what's feasible within our own lives. And um, I, I could go down a, a number of rabbit holes here, but um, I learned a long time ago that I pay what I can. And I know that, you know, I do want to pay for the services that I received, but I'm not willing to pay for inflated costs. Um, and so I pay what my budget can handle mm-hmm. in the way that, that I can physically and, and emotionally handle that. And then I look at the other options that are available out there, other programs, working with different agencies and such. Um, I will also say that if you know um, that you know, for my son specifically, um, for me specifically, because, you know, I've had a lot of surgeries, we build into our budget, right? And we account for that in our peace of mind fund. And because we know that these are things that quite frankly, we're we're never going to get rid of. And so for us, this wasn't a one-time thing. You know, these are ongoing things that we know. And so we need to build them into our budget. And while sometimes that can be tough if you're on a, uh, your budget isn't as flexible, then we look, you know, side gig, you know, we pick up some extra work, we sell some things to put in, you know, to beef up our peace of mind fund or create another sinking fund for medical costs, right? Um, so these are things that we don't want to forget about in our budget, knowing that they're going to be coming up, right? Knowing that, that, that these are a part of our life now. Um, we don't necessarily have to like it. But there are things that we can do to take away some stress. And, um, you know, maybe you got some stuff sitting in your basement that you don't need anymore. And you sell that to fund your three-month supply, right, of your medication. Maybe that's how you get going. And then you start to save each month, you know, a little bit. So the next, in 90 days, when that next prescription rolls around, you've got that money saved in your budget to handle it. Um, there are a lot of options here. I think we just need to look at them a little bit objectively too. Um, and, and 
the proverbial think outside of the box with some of it. Yeah, sometimes when we are kind of in the midst of our own situation, it's hard to kind of see the forest through the trees, as they say, right? So, um, you know, my hope is that this episode brings a little bit of encouragement and a little bit of pointing people in the right direction of there are options, there are things that you can be doing, whether you're dealing with a chronic illness and, and so it's things like medication and equipment, whether it's past medical debt and, and that um, is being collected on or whatever the case may be, that just knowing that there are programs, there are ways to get reduced um, uh, prescription costs, reviewing and and re-looking at um, your medical insurance through your employer, uh, opening up an HSA might be something that um, is appropriate for one of our listeners to be thinking about, okay, at least that's a tax-favored way of saving up uh, for medical expenses. And being able to negotiate knowing that there's programs to reduce the uh, cost of bills that you've received for past things. You know, like I said, I just hope that this is an encouragement to somebody who might be going through some of that and, and realizing, okay, there are tools and resources and things out there to help with these things. Mm-hmm. I love that recap. And um, so thank you for, for, for saying that because it is, it's, I, I hope it's a good, if it's not a reminder, it's a good list for anybody to, to take, you know, write it down and then just start kind of working your way down. You know, what can we do? Right. Because we've got these tools and things available to us and, and you know what, they might not all work out, but it doesn't mean that you stop. It means you go on to the next thing that we mentioned, right. And, and use mm-hmm. them all use the ones that work. Um, because I guarantee you will feel and, and see some relief if you use some of these tools in, um, in your life when you're dealing with medical um, bills and debt. Excellent. Well, thank you, uh, Sarah, for just opening up and, and kind of sharing a very, um, two very personal stories, you know, about yourself and your son. Um, Cause I think it's very relatable. And, uh, and I know as somebody who, doesn't deal with any of that. Um, it, it gives me great empathy for some, you know, if there's a way to change things in the future, um, being open to, you know, doing my part in, in helping to change that. I, without getting preachy or anything like that, I think if we took care of each other as a community, like we were kind of designed to from the beginning that, um, you know, I, like I know there's some children's hospitals that like they don't charge when children go and fight whatever disease it is that they're fighting, that they really rely on donations from the community. And if if we did more of that, um, I think the government tried to build it in with taxes. Right. So it's all like, yeah, there's a part of that. But when has the government ever been efficient at anything? They <laughs> suck at everything. And we, right. the people, are usually a lot better when we just kind of come together and we take care of stuff. So, um, like I said, I'll get off my soapbox now, but I feel like <laughs> if we did a little bit more of that, we could take care of one another and, and nobody would, you know, many hands make for light work. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and I think it's one of the reasons why we started this podcast too, Nino, right? Is to normalize the conversation and let other people know that you're not the only one going through this. I'm not the right. only one that's gone through this. So let me share my experience and let me share what I've gone through and what I've done to, to get through it in the hopes that somebody else hears this and they, they see a little bit of hope. They see the, some light at the end of their dark tunnel right now, right? That, that we right. normalize talking about this stuff that that I could go on and on about my own opinions, which I'm not going to do, but there are things that we all can do. And part of that is sharing our stories. Part of it is mm -hmm. saying, this is what I'm going through right now. What's working for you, right? right? What's working for me? And let's come together in a way that that is financially based, that's emotionally um, supported, that's physically, um, you know, that we're all working together, just as you said, to try and help each other be the best that we can be and live the best way that we can and get through some of these really dark, hard times because we all go through them. And so I share some of my stories in the hopes that people feel like and, and understand that they're not alone and yeah. that it might not work out the way you want it to work out, but it doesn't have to be as bad as it is right now, right? That there are there right. are paths and things that we can do to make it a little bit easier. So, yeah. Well, thank you again for sharing um, and opening up and normalizing that conversation. And we will continue to normalize all the um, taboo topics when we get back together next time. Thank you for listening to the new money habits podcast brought to you by new money habits and keeping up with the Joneses financial coaching. Submit your questions to our hosts by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.